This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. figuratively speaking, of course, that whoever deposits 
into that open mouth will give them something that's really going to help them develop to build acumen as a sound user experience professional. But folks, as we've talked about in some recent episodes, misinformation abounds, not just in UX, it's it's abounding everywhere. But misinformation in, in UX, when someone is trying to grow, when someone is trying to build their acumen, when someone is trying to make themselves a valuable entity so that they can get a job, so that they can uh, go forward with their career, when they take in information that is not accurate, when they take in information that is detrimental, when they, when they take on definitions of UX that are not accurate, when they embrace processes and mindsets that are counterproductive, all of that blows up. Now, here's the other thing. I know and understand what I do and what I have done as a UX professional impacts the whole. Now, can, can everybody understand that today? What I do as a user experience professional impacts everybody out there, whether you know me or not, because it has impact on the perception of what UX is, what the, what the value proposition is that we hold. And I'm not the only one. Every UX professional, no matter where they are in their journey, everyone has impact on the, the perception of UX as a whole. Think of it as you will as the maturity level for the discipline at large. Can we think about that? for a moment, because whether we like it or not, or whether we've thought about it or not, this is indeed true. We have an industry-wide maturity level. I look at it that way because we all impact one another. If, take for example, there was an article once that somebody wrote about personas. And in this article about personas, they were actually saying that we shouldn't do personas. Personas are useless. They're a fad. Uh, nobody's going to get anything out of it. It can't impact what you're doing. This particular article, and I can't remember where it appeared, whether it was Forbes or wherever it was, but it, it's out there. <laughs> and, and it's not the only one. There, there's more than one. This particular article, as do articles and videos and things everywhere. Everything has wings, so to speak. So this article talking about downplaying the value proposition, downplaying the, the, the impact, the desired impact of personas, those wings carried itself and landed right in front of some what we might consider internal clients, stakeholders, and C-level individuals. When somebody does something like that and people that are impacted by UX practices everywhere take these things in and digest them, especially when they do not have a filter, these things impact everybody because it'll impact some people directly. I know firsthand that some people got their hands on, on articles like that 
came back to their office, downplayed the inclusion of personas in any work that went into them. They didn't make a differentiation between marketing personas and UX personas. They didn't look to see who the author was. They just took what was said at face value, came back to work, and struck down any and every effort associated with personas. This is the type of thing that happens. Now, this is a different kind of an example. I, I understand that. But the same thing happens when someone doesn't do their work the right way. The same thing happens when people play political games. And you can have viable, properly equipped, skilled UX people and have C-level people, stakeholders, and clients who just hate UX for God knows what reason. I've experienced that over the course of my career. I've seen it. And they just want to tear UX down. So they just make things up. And then these stories get wings. I hope people understand what I'm getting at. So everything that happens to us, and somebody's thinking, I I need to back up. Well, what about the good stuff? Here's the funny thing, and this is part of what we're addressing today. If people are having success, and people do have success, we know that there are UX success stories. What we need to understand, however, is that no matter how many success stories there are, and no matter how many methods, methodologies, and techniques, and deliverables, and all these different things that are going on, no matter how many there are, every time something goes wrong, it actually creates a problem for us because as we know, the thing that goes wrong has the potential to have bigger impact. Yeah, we can have success stories and yeah, we're happy. And all that case story was really, it was really uh, uh, impactful and it was it was really inspiring and it, it really made everybody feel good and that's great. We can hear a hundred of those. As soon as something goes wrong one time, certain people, will just take that and run with it. And and so for that reason, understanding the impact of that detrimental thing and understanding that people will always be able to learn what all the techniques and the methods and methodologies are and all these different things that are going on, there's no shortage of learning how to do the work. And on this podcast, we will spend time talking about how to do the work from time to time. But this is the world of UX. We talk about everything. So in addition to talking about how we do the work and how not to do the work sometime, it is critical that we understand those challenging factors, the pitfalls, the the not so pleasant moments, the, the things that come up with the detractors, with the stakeholders, and part of what we're gonna be addressing today uh, and, and as far as the, the climax of today's today's episode is concerned, is infighting. I want to address that today, sort of building on what we were talking about with the potpourri last week. And I'm going to share an example from off of LinkedIn. If you talk about everything that's great and you talk about all the accomplishments and you don't talk about the infighting that's taking place in UX. Yes, it is. All the people out there to try to paint a picture that UX is all roses and marshmallows and beautiful music. 
that could not be more of a disservice because when you don't give people a broad, honest, candid view of UX, and then that person runs into those things, they will have no strategy. They may not recover from it. It is better for people to know and understand what the challenges are going to be, have a sober and a realistic perspective, and then learn about different things you can do when those types of things come up to manage them. That person is going to get further. And for people who are who have that detracting mindset when they hear that, again, that's what we want to get at because I consider that infighting. That, that's a factor of infighting. Case in point, let's talk about something that happened on LinkedIn this past week. Um, there was one of the things we talked about when I talk about UX education and when I talk about misinformation. One of the things I talked about was when someone, an entity, engages in educational activities, but the way that they do it is not in association with best practices. For example, if you were, say, an auto mechanic and you wanted to learn the ropes of how to be better at your craft, you, in in your pursuit of excellence, should want to learn from someone that knows what they're talking about. Someone who has a particular level of expertise. And let's back it up even a minute from that. As the educator, when you are putting together your program and making sure that your curriculum is what it should be, when you're making sure that all of the task analyses have been done so that you can roll out an educational experience that is fruitful beneficial for the student. When you do that, part of it is making sure to put people in front of the students that's equipped to teach properly. Now, if you're bringing in experts because you want the students to hear from experts, make sure that they're actually experts. (laughs) You don't want to bring in people that are not experts because that does a disservice to the people who who are partaking of the learning experience. Now, I'm going to tell a story about LinkedIn. I'm just going to outright call out LinkedIn in today's podcast. And uh, LinkedIn Learning, it actually used to be lynda.com. Now, some of you may or may not remember lynda.com. I learned typography from lynda.com in the 90s. lynda.com has been around for a long time. It is an extremely, it was, because they they sold it. Uh, It was sold to LinkedIn, and it has become LinkedIn Learning. It was an extremely viable entity, a viable resource. If you wanted to learn how to use a particular type of software, lynda.com was one of the places you could go. If you wanted to learn about certain aspects of of the design um, operation or business, you could go to lynda.com, and she had all types of CDs out there, all type of online courses that you could take, it was a viable, a reliable, a trustworthy place to get educated on whatever you were trying to get educated on. Now, here's the catch. And on lynda.com, and I use the word catch loosely uh, because this is where you're going to see a contrast. When lynda.com was operating, everybody who taught courses was knowledgeable 
when it came to teaching the courses. You didn't have, I mean, the courses were very well put together. I, I took multiple courses with lynda.com, not, not just typography. I took a bunch of courses and it was always enriching. You always came away confident. You always came away realizing that you gained value by your exposure or through your exposure to the offerings that they had. But you never saw lynda.com offer a course taught by somebody that didn't understand what was being taught, that was not a part of the community associated with the subject that was being taught. You never, ever, ever, ever saw that. Now, when LinkedIn bought lynda.com, things changed. Things changed dramatically. Now, somebody may say, well, lynda.com started doing, okay, I'm talking about back in the day. Whatever happened going forward, I don't have any knowledge of that because after it shifted and those courses were available on LinkedIn, I wasn't part of it. Matter of fact, I actually stopped maybe, I don't know, maybe 2014 or so. So I have no knowledge of what was happening on lynda.com after that point in time. What I do know was that when LinkedIn took over, I started seeing courses that were taught by people who were not experts in the field that they were teaching. And every time I saw that, not just LinkedIn, we're not picking on them. Uh, a lot of other entities do the same thing where they're teaching a course. And when you take a look at the background, because every time there's a course, you have an instructor and they'll say who the instructor is and you'll see a synopsis that's telling you about the instructor's background. And I would look at the instructor's background. I've done this all over the place. And you'll see all these instances. It's very popular today to do this. It has become accepted in certain circles, but that's because some people have baby bird syndrome, and but they're not exercising critical thinking. And they are, they are welcoming courses taught by anybody because they just want to learn. That's a desperation, a mode of desperation that we should not have. <laughs> just period. We just shouldn't have that. So anyway, LinkedIn started doing this. Again, other people are doing it as well. And when that happens, when you have a course, if it's not designed properly, if if you don't have the right value proposition through the content and by providing quality instructors, there is absolutely no reason to take that course. A lot of people that are trying to learn don't know enough to evaluate in some cases whether they should or should not take a particular course. Well, they are dependent upon somebody like me to provide uh, uh, this course over here. If you're trying to learn about UX, you don't want to take this. This course over here, you want to learn about Figma, you don't want to take this course over here. Uh, if you want to learn about psychology as it relates to UX, you hear some good resources, but you want to avoid this one. We're going to do that. Those of us who have voices in the U.S. community are going to stand up and say, here's the approved courses, here's the courses, eh, eh, not so much. I'd avoid these if I were you. If somebody doesn't like that, that we say that, then they shouldn't put courses out there that it's possible to say things like that about. That's just the way that it goes. And it's not just U.S., it's any and everything. Anyone who's offering a course that does not have a strong value proposition is going to end up taking the brunt of a bad review. Just like a bad movie deserves a bad review, a bad course or a bad resource deserves a bad review. So I think we should all be in agreement there without 
looking at anything. So it, it just happens to apply to LinkedIn in this case. So one of my peers, uh, Dr. Nick Fine, shout out to Dr. Nick, Nick Fine, who does fantastic work. We appear on the show with Debbie Levitt. We do a live show once a month. And so always excited to to be uh, on share camera time with uh, Dr. Nick and, and, and some of the great thoughts who the gentleman has a passion for UX being done right. He has a passion for, for people growing properly and he has no tolerance for foolishness, which really none of us should. Uh, but those who have a voice, a leadership voice in the community, we're the ones that are going to say something about it. And then you just hope people take it in. When he saw a particular course, on LinkedIn that was being taught. Uh, and I'm just going to read what Dr. Nick said. He said, what is the point of having a non-UX person teaching a UX course? Moreover, what does it say about the validity of LinkedIn's training programs or the quality of information delivered? This is madness. Dr. Nick is absolutely correct. He is 1 billion percent correct. And I laud him for saying that. Uh, I have started doing what I call, I've been giving what I call the Kaizen UX Fail Award, and I name it after my consultancy, which is Kaizen UX. And I gave LinkedIn a Kaizen UX Fail Award for offering UX courses, which is extremely disrespectful to the discipline, especially during a time that we're in a bit of turmoil because of a lot of not so beneficial things that are happening in the discipline, but you no know, LinkedIn doesn't care about that. They, they just don't care. So they roll out a, a course with someone teaching UX, even though they're not a UX person. And, and if I was a new UXer and somebody put that in front of me, you won't recognize it at the time, but you'll recognize it way down the road when you find yourself being uh, not, not being in a position to bring value and you can trace it back to the fact that you engage in some poor educational experiences. So at any rate, um, so I gave the award and I put this post out on, on LinkedIn to give the award. I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm not concerned about how many people like it or don't like it. That's, that's not it. I'm going to make, I am going to take the time to make, people who care about UX aware of things that they need to be aware of. And there are some people out here, folks, that don't like it. They don't like the fact that I say things that I say. They don't like the fact that I'm addressing improprieties in the discipline. Uh, I will bring to your attention, uh, people expressed disdain for what I'm doing uh, ironically, they don't address Dr. Nick, but they address me in this particular instance. And in other instances, they, they will address, they won't address other people, but they always address me. And <laughs> we'll leave that there for now. And so someone said, and I'll leave the, the identities a secret. You can go and look at the, the post if you want to know who said what, because nobody's hiding out there. Someone said, as much as I tire of these types of threads, Unfortunately, we still need more of them to highlight the problem. Yes, this is true. You certainly can't blame the students. Nobody is. The students want to learn. They are the baby birds. 
They want to grow. They want to further their acumen. They want to advance within the discipline. And they're in baby bird mode, so they don't know. They don't have the filter, which is another reason that those of us that have been around a while, if all of us would speak up, people wouldn't have to run into these problems. Interesting, huh? It's funny that only very few people who have been in UX for a long time take the time to do what people like me and Debbie Levitt and Dr. Nick do. Only a few people do. Uh, And wouldn't it be great if the people who've been around for a long time would be more vocal? And so we, we shouldn't be, we should not appear as a minority calling these things out. But again, that's for another time as well. So yeah, nobody can blame the students for the mess. Uh, he said that they are taking these courses for the right reasons. Yes, they are. He said it's the schools themselves that are to blame. And, and that one, I say, I only partially agree with because the schools are, they have bad models. They are, a lot of the schools are trying to make a buck and they don't care about the discipline. So from that perspective, yeah, the schools could do better. They 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 have the right goal in mind in general when it comes to education, but there are some things they need to do to make it better. They need to have better pedagogy. They need to make sure that the courses are structured the right way, and they need to have the right people teaching them. And so, because we need to protect the baby birds, <laughs> because the baby birds, they just want to eat. You know, they, they again, eyes wide shut, mouth wide open, and then here they are taking in something and somebody, when it comes to UX, dropping things in the baby bird's mouth that they should not be ingesting, and then people like me have to give a person a cognitive enema later, or we have to run the risk of, uh, or sacrificing our own well-being, because when we call things out, there's always people who attack us, and that's where we're, that's where we're headed in a sense. Uh, Here's the part where that this particular reply goes completely south. The person says, sadly, I don't think these posts, talking about what I said, I don't think these posts will change the situation enough to really make a difference. What will, though? Uh, and I'm going, okay, here we go again. Um, the person said that they don't think these posts will change the situation enough. When I hear from people all the time, that tell me how much these posts benefit them. And I've been engaged, without me getting into the details, in this type of work for close to four decades. Then when you see things that are inappropriate in a given arena, and you make sure to make these improprieties uh, more apparent, make it easier for people to spot them so that people can exercise critical thinking and make better choices, that's where, I mean, the, the benefits are obtained, the impact is made one person at a time. So when the person is, is thinking, basically, how do we change the situation? What will change the situation? We, we can change their schools, there are individual instructors, there are individual business owners, there are students, there are former students, there are instructors, there, there, there are so many moving parts that we can only affect one thing at a time. And we can only impact one person at a time. And so it's a very slow 
process. It's a very long process, but by calling things out, especially that people don't see, by making things more apparent, by providing elements associated with critical thinking and challenging people to engage in critical thinking, they have made better choices. They are making better choices. They will make better choices. And that's the kind of stuff that helps me to continue going forward, providing what I provide. I mean, I am ecstatic to hear about the impact. And I know what's going to happen when I do what I do. But when I hear things like that, and it's funny, I've got to say this too. I find it interesting, and I actually put a post on LinkedIn about this earlier today. I find it interesting that people, a lot of people that I observe, put forth more effort to express disdain about these types of posts than they do addressing the improprieties. So something's awry here. Some, something is terribly, terribly, terribly wrong. Like what I said earlier, people take time to address and attack me, but they said nothing to Dr. Nick. Isn't something wrong with that picture? And if you don't know, yeah, yeah, something is terribly wrong. Here's another follow-up comment to that same, that same statement I just read. Somebody said, speaking of critical thinking, Darren, one would think that a person with all your degrees, certificates, and 30 years as a UXer, 30 years, I don't know where you, would read the book, not the jacket notes, before reviewing the book. And that's all the person said. Now, please note this. The person who said that is a LinkedIn teacher. Is he the person teaching the class? You know, really? I don't know and I don't really care. The Did he address anything that I said in the post? No, he really didn't. Uh, I came back later and I said, you know what? It's spoken like a true troll because you didn't address what I said. That's what trolls do. You, you di And I came back I, in that same response. I said, value proposition. There is no value proposition. Just like I just explained. And I would think that you would know that. If you're an educator and, and hey, I, I, I wish you all the best. And I'm pulling for you. When I make these statements, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not against anybody. Uh, but if you're wrong, you're wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And, and all of us, whether we're right or wrong, own it. And when you're wrong, make the adjustment. That That's it. That's what we all uh, have a responsibility to do as adults, as responsible adults. Just own it and make the change. But this person basically threw me under the bus and attempted to discredit me completely even though my response to what LinkedIn did is appropriate. And again, this person attacked me but did not say anything to Dr. Nick. Uh, so just, it's just interesting what pe the things that people decide to do and, you know, all your certificates and 30 years as a UXer, never say I'm not a 30-year UX or you, you rounded that up a bit. I wouldn't round that up like that. I've been doing it for 26 years. Yeah, but that that's a bit much. But I said, I'm not going to take the time to read the book, quote unquote, if there's no value proposition. And the thing is, nobody will. So it's just interesting. This is what I mean when I talk about the infighting. Um, infighting in UX is extremely counterproductive. It is extremely counterproductive. And and I know I noticed that the people who are who are getting 
the flack, who are who are catching all of this flack from different people are only people like me. And there's a, there's a few of us out there, not a whole lot, but there are people out there willing to tell you the truth about the discipline who are interested in fighting for the purity of the discipline. And people call us gatekeepers and, and, and they're actually flipping the script and that's an act of mind control with what they're doing by changing the definition of the terminology because a gatekeeper is actually a good thing because through the gatekeepers, we know what our expectations are. We know how things are supposed to operate. And when we came into the discipline, we found out what needed to be done and we went, we did it. We didn't come in like some people and try to change everything to match someone's skill set or lack thereof, because that's what's going on in UX today. And if you're interested in being in UX, you need to be aware of these types of things because you're going to have to navigate them at some point in time. If you are not aware you will then become a victim. And I talk to people on a regular basis that are being victimized. And me, these people are bullies as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not going to be bullied. This is my LinkedIn profile, just like it's your LinkedIn newsfeed or profile, and you post whatever you want to post that shows up on social media. Nobody can come and tell you what to post and nobody's going to come and tell me what to post, right? So check this out. Since somebody said what I'm doing isn't, they implied that what I'm doing doesn't have impact. We're going to wrap up this special edition of Potpourri, this extended version today, by sharing some testimonies. Here's one. Love your podcast. And this is somebody from Toronto, Ontario, uh, up in Canada. Love your podcast. I'm on episode four, learning about the history of UX, going to make it a habit to go for a walk and listen to at least one episode a day. This is gold. This person is being inspired. And we just want to impact one person at a time. That's the way it goes, folks. Here's someone from our our UX brethren and, and sisters over in India said, I first heard your talk on UX expert in India. Since then, I've been following all your podcasts. I live in India, have ac- and access to knowledge is hard. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Your podcast cleared my doubts, and I choose research now. I'm focusing on research as a student at the university because it's people like you who inspire and guide. Thanks, Darren. See, that's number two. We're going to start sharing these on a more regular basis. I get these regularly, but this is the first time I've ever shared them. The third one is from a person in Denver, Colorado, who said, just listen to the first episode of the boot camp series. I found myself nodding in agreement several times, looking forward to the rest of the episodes. Then he came back and he said, I listened to the second episode of the boot camp series. Good stuff. I've experienced a lot of what you say. Someone from my class is a TA, a teaching assistant now, and she is not someone I would seek UX advice from. Also, another classmate got hired two months after graduation for a senior role. Both of these left me scratching my head. See, and folks see what I'm doing. They, they like to use the moniker of negative. And I'm, I'm of the belief that there is no such thing as negative, folks. There is constructive and there is destructive. And, and when you look at things from that perspective, it changes how you digest that which is presented to you and I. It changes it. 
when something happens, will it build me or will it tear me down? And truth be told, a lot of things that might make us feel a little uncomfortable actually will build us up if we give it a chance. And when somebody somebody is trying to show you what's happening in UX today and how it's really a threat and that we need to navigate these things, we need to be aware, we need to, to build our acumen so, so we know which direction to head and how we need to carry ourselves at work and carry ourselves in the U.S. community. These things are constructive. And again, it happens one person at a time. There is no silver bullet that is going to just fix this thing. And then everybody is going to be whole and well. But I'll tell you one thing that's not going to work. People who fight against those like me who are trying to take a stand for the discipline and bending over backwards on our dime and our time, trying to help everyone to be their absolute best, fighting against us. Since people are talking about, well, what can we do to fix that? You got to think about what's the impact of the thing you just said, anybody who would do anything like that. And there are some people out there who do these types of things. They didn't have to post a reply, but they do. They didn't have to get involved in the in the discussion, but they do. And then they say things that actually shifts attention to them and it shifts it away from the message that was coming forth. And now my work is actually torn apart now just because somebody chose, they didn't like it because it's not the method that they chose to have. Pretty sad stuff, folks. I'm here for the good of anybody who wants to develop when it comes to UX. That's what this podcast is about. This is what I'm about as an individual and all the work that I put in. I, I the, the, the discipline has been good to me and I want to give back. And that's what I'm doing. That's why I do this podcast. That's why I post on social media, whether it's Twitter, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, wherever it is. It's all about giving of ourselves, because I'm not the only one doing it, giving of ourselves to help people be better and do whatever you feel you need to do to make the discipline better. Because everybody's not going to have the same voice and tone as me. Everybody's not comfortable doing what I'm doing. No problem. You don't have to. But you also don't have to tear it down. But if we all took a stand against things that we know are detrimental, UX would be a much better place. And it wouldn't be commandeered by other people like it is now because a bunch of us who are around as long as me are not vocal. And folks, we're under siege. So let's keep pressing forward. Let's keep standing for and representing the discipline the right way. Let's keep helping all those up and comers. We want all the up and comers to thrive. Don't get it wrong, folks. I'm for you. I'm for you. But when you do something that's that's detrimental, I can't support you when you're doing something detrimental, so I need to point it out. If you were trying to drive a car with square wheels, what would it be? How would you feel if I said nothing about your car with square wheels? You need some round wheels. <laughs> you would travel a lot better with round wheels. It's the same thing, folks. And some folks see other people with their round wheels and are willing to say nothing. That needs to end also. 
So everybody got it today. So that's it for our potpourri today. Just some, a lot of interesting things happening on social media, but you know what? We just keep pressing forward no matter what. <laughs> All right. So that's it for today. And we're hoping to start a series real soon. We might do potpourri again next week, but if not, uh, be on the lookout for some new series. I'm talking about having some guests. I'm working to bring some guests on some folks that, that you will enjoy listening to uh, put together some nice things. that will be a treat for everybody that taps into the podcast. So, but that's it for today. It is time to sign off. This is Darren Hood, the host of the world of UX. Happy UXing everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.